0: Okay, I i have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm so distracted. I mean, I know what I'm talking about, but yes, I just want to say that uh, I actually feel like um my next podcast episode, which I haven't had the time to do, but that's the reason why my podcast is semi-taking-a-break because uh it's going to be my 40th episode. And basically, the only thing that I know from the counselors slash psychotherapists, because I don't ask a lot of questions, I'm not sure about, you know, Aside from like her background and cultural background, I don't really know her life history uh, or like what she likes and dislikes. I feel like she keeps it very private, obviously. Uh, But yeah, the only thing that I know was the question that I asked from her, the last question, right before we terminated or concluded or closed the therapeutic relationship, was essentially, what's your favorite number? And she was like, 40. <clears throat> Mic test, one, two. <sighs> Greetings. Welcome back to another episode of Low High Trips. The following is a summary of the lessons that I've learned throughout my therapeutic journey with my therapist. Please be advised that this is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as professional advice. The reason why my podcast took a few weeks break, I'm not too sure... Potentially, when this episode is released, it will be about a month, It's because of the fact that I was self-reflecting and I was reading the notes that I've noted down during my therapeutic journey, and there was a lot to unpack. So without further ado, let's dive straight into the episode. Well, to start off, the theme of my initial therapy session was control. It's not news that the state of my mental well-being mental well-being, directly ties to the extent of control over my psyche and my environment. It's also not news that I have the tendency to go on a downward spiral when I feel out of control over my internal and external world. A downward spiral is when I break down every experience, every thought, every feeling, more often than not through a negative lens, and always in hindsight. I do find myself solely relying on intuitive insights and time to overcome the episodes when I feel out of control, which does sound a little bit impractical right now. Well, one practical strategy that my counsellor suggested was to focus or pay all of my attention on my empirical senses. Instead of caging myself with my own cognitive loop in my mind, I now try to experience my senses for at least one full minute. From touching, seeing, to smelling something. Well, the point is to indulge in your senses, to stop, be mindful, analyze, and describe your senses. You can start by picking something, anything practical or anything that you deem meaningful to you. Personally to me, I started with a bright yellow stress ball where I allocated all my focus and intention into sensing its texture, firmness, and um, bounciness. I'm not sure if that's a word, but you get what I mean. Um, my therapy suggested for me to also attach a mantra like a positive affirmation as I'm squeezing the stress ball. Uh, my personal advice is to have any mantra except for live, laugh, love. love. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Upon further discussion with my therapist in the following sessions, we identified that my unhealthy preference for control, derived from perfectionism, as being in control would, in theory, minimize risk for failure, which then explains why I tried to plan everything and minimize situations where I was required to be spontaneous. However, um, I accidentally put that theory to test one day as I quote-unquote accidentally made a couple of spontaneous decisions and the outcomes of me being in situations where I, I was required to be spontaneous, um, they did not appear to be... Wait, no. They appeared to be 100% better than what I imagined. So what I'm trying to say is that the reality was more appealing and more acceptable compared to what I had in my head, compared to what I had in my fantasy. And consequently, that completely shattered my impractical worldview. It reminded me that just because in theory, I'm able to have more control, I'm able to minimize risk of failure, I'm able to strive towards becoming a perfectionist, it doesn't mean that by being spontaneous, I am somehow failing. I have no idea how that... Actually, you know what? I'll take that back. I very well have an idea as to where my perfectionism perfectionism stem from. And it was actually um, from my childhood trauma uh, with my family, but that is not something that I am open to explore on my podcast at the moment. However, that was something that I explored with my counsellor. Um, which was very eye-opening, insightful, and it provided me with a lot of justifications and explanations as to why I did and do the things that I do. Well, going back to the topic, once I've detached any negative connotations to spontaneity, meaning that I try to not label me being spontaneous as me being, you know, reckless, irresponsible, or any of the synonyms that you can think of, I've immediately felt a mental burden lifted as I was no longer compelled to the um, responsibility to plan every aspect of my life to make them as perfect as possible. One very apt example would be this podcast episode, where in all honesty, it took me the longest time because of the fact that I knew that episode number 40, I was going to dedicate it to my counselor. But because of the fact that I knew I was going to do it, I was planning ahead months and months before. And it wasn't like I was planning in a practical manner or an efficient manner or an effective manner. I don't know why I'm just drawing synonyms you know, Stop it. But yes, um, it wasn't like I was doing it in a way where there were progress or there was progress. You get what I mean? It was more like I was just mentally prepping for the episode, knowing that it's going to be meaningful to me, it's going to be poetic to me. But, you know, in the end of the day, there is no such thing as a perfect episode. But I constantly try to think of ways on how I would like to execute my episode. But sometimes I feel like it's perfectly fine being spontaneous, to hit record, to start talking, to not have a script. You know, to be completely transparent, I do have um, a script right in front of me right now. It is the result of my self-reflection sessions that I've had as I'm reflecting upon, you know, the things that I've learned from my therapeutic journey or the things that I learned from my sessions. And um, yeah, moving on to the next um, session as well. Um, I'd like to backtrack a little bit because upon self-reflection, I often find myself participating in negative self-talk where I'm completely being my own worst critic, a critical voice that constantly chimes in with message of blame, fear and doubt. It's absolutely ridiculous because it's pretty natural for me to offer compassion to basically everyone else but myself. So, reminder to self, reminder to all of you listening, Practice self-compassion. When you're aware that you're in the process of negative self-talk, perhaps it's best to pause, take a mental step back, ask yourself, in all seriousness, what would you do? How would you react when you come across someone talking like that towards your loved ones? Or better yet, towards yourself. Would you be defending yourself? Would you be defending your loved ones? Would you feel triggered? And... Isn't it strange that we allow ourselves to constantly bash ourselves, you know? It doesn't make sense to me because I realize that for the most part of my days, I constantly dwell in negative self-talk, internally. Sometimes I even verbalize it, and it's no longer helpful at all. At least not now. I guess I try to view myself participating in negative self-talk from a third-person point of view? So like, you try to project yourself and to view yourself from a third-person POV and to see, is this really warranted? Are the things you do really that bad to the point where you deserve the constant negative self-talk that you have in your head? Look, I'm not saying that we should all be emotionally toxic and force ourselves to be happy all the time by disregarding not-so-pleasant emotions or by taking the positive vibes-only approach. But in the end of the day, is negative self-talk practical? Is it working for you? If it is, then I personally have no arguments against it. But the thing is that, personally to me, it doesn't work. And I know that by doing that, it brings nothing but misery and it amplifies every single problem that I have at the slightest inconvenience. You know what I mean? And we should acknowledge these thoughts because I'm very sure that they stem from somewhere. So what I sometimes do is I personally allow myself um, to fully immerse in my negative thoughts and emotions well, for an appropriate period of time um, to allow myself the time and space to overthink, overanalyze over whatever it is. You know, to really immerse myself, to just dwell in the most negative facet of me. And once I'm done with the, you know, self-pity, I try to remind myself, so what's next? I feel like sometimes we, I, need to be more solution-focused. I was about to say, uh, solution-focused. Side note, whenever you're feeling unsure if your thoughts and feelings are valid, ask yourself if it's normal for a person to be thinking and feeling the way that you do if they do undergo every single life situation that you did and the circumstances that you're currently in. I mean, to me, in the end of the day, it will pass. I mean, first of all, you made it this far, Well, you're listening to this, so you did make it this far. Uh, And I'm not talking about the episode, I'm talking about your life. So I'm assuming you've had significant negative life events in the past where you've managed to overcome, where you've managed to move on from. But of course, we all have different definitions of moving on, but I do hope you understand where I'm coming from. And if you have not, know that, you know, it's a process and sometimes, you know, time, I wouldn't say time heals everything, but the way that you use your time heals things. Anyway, right before I wrap up the episode, um, I just want to say that I thought a lot about this episode, about, you know, an episode that I've always wanted to do but I personally feel like I didn't have the... um, Courage is not the right word, but I can't think of the most appropriate word at the moment or the most accurate one uh, because of the fact that I feel the topic of mental health can sometimes be very sensitive and at times I feel like people gatekeep the topic of mental health a little bit too much, where at times there is a right and wrong approach. Look, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but. Well, I believe this is a quote from Andy Warhol, not to be mistaken, right? Jack Harlow. Uh, they always say time changes things, but you actually have to change them yourself, which I completely agree. I feel like time is basically just a platform, and it depends on what you do with the resources that you have. So yes, um and you know regarding this ending, I've been thinking for quite a while, in all honesty. I feel like I've been thinking about how to wrap this episode up because I don't exactly have a structure for this episode, uh, nor the current mental space. And that marks the end of part one of this mini-series, which I will work at my own pace, as I'm currently also Relearning the things that I've learned in the past. And right before I conclude this episode, I genuinely hope that y'all will find the serenity to accept the things that you can't change, courage to change the things that you can, and wisdom to know the difference. I'll see y'all in the next episode. Stay high, stay low, stay safe. This is Aaron. And this is Law Eye Trips. Peace. So what I feel like doing is to post like things that I learned from the therapeutic relationship. So I've actually made notes after every uh, therapy sessions. Uh, so what I plan to do is that I'm going to just like skim through all of it as a refresher and I will post what I learned. So I feel like, I hope that helps people because um I feel therapy is very important and I feel like some people don't access therapy uh, maybe because of the fact that they are not privileged enough to access it. Uh, you know, therapy can be expensive and to some people it's not as valuable, but I don't know, like if you try it, uh, it's all about like finding the right therapeutic relationship. I think that's what we learned as well back in our, our counseling postgraduate